Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. I'm not in a sermon series today. Um, I'm going to preach a sermon on how to live differently. Let me tell you about next week. um, Next week, we will start, uh, I'm going to start a new sermon series entitled One Matters. And it will be the theme of our 21 days of prayer. If you're new to our church, we try to kick off every January since I've been the pastor with 21 days of prayer. The first time we did 40 days, and since then we've done 21 days. And I'm telling you, it's impactful in our church. When our whole church, we'll have about 1,500 people here today. And when our whole church, all 1,500 of us, really probably all about 2,500 of us, are praying together, focused together, concentrating on one thing. Man, it makes a difference. And the year starts off so much better when we do it in prayer. So next Sunday, we're going to... uh, um, start that. You'll get a devotion. You'll be able to get it on the app. You'll be able to get it online. Uh, We'll have printed copies. It's a little easier if you just use the app. That's the easiest way to access it, but we'll have a few printed copies if you want one. So I'm really excited. One matters. That'll start next week. So make sure you're here for that. And so today I I really want to kind of preach a sermon that's kind of a turn the page sermon. I appreciate Scott Smith being here filling in for me last Sunday. Did a great job about looking forward into 2020. And uh, I want to kind of do the same thing. I want to kind of take today and I want to, I want to look back so we can look forward and I'll preach out of Philippians chapter three, live differently, live differently. So before I dive into the sermon, let me, let me go back and let's look at 2019 because if you want the best snapshot of 2019, the best way to do it is go back, look at Google and see what the top searches were in different areas in Google. So we're going to do that this morning. And so let me let, just look up here on the screen. If you looked at the top 10 searches in general, Here are the top 10 in general searches. Number one all year long was Disney Plus. How many of you have Disney Plus already at your house? Right, already watching it, already watching those old movies. That's awesome. Number two, Cameron Boyce. Number three, Nipsey Hussle. Number four, Hurricane Dorian, Antonio Brown, Luke Perry, Avengers Endgame, Game of Thrones, iPhone 11. How many of you have an iPhone 11? You searched it, did all that research, and you got up there. Jesse Smollett was number 10. We'll see his name again. Then if you look at news stories, top 10 news stories of 2019, here was the news. Hurricane Dorian, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral that was on fire, World's Women's World Cup, Area 51 raid. Um, any of y'all go to that? Yeah, like, no, 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 nobody did. And Copa America, El Paso shootings, tragedy, Sri Lanka, the government shutdown, Equifax, data breach, settlement. I love it that the word settlement, people won't know if they're getting any money out of that. And then number 10, California earthquake. And now if you look at the top 10, what is searches? I love number one, what is Area 51? Like I'm going, but I don't know what I'm going to, right? What, what is it? And um, number two, what's a visco girl? What is Momo? What is a boomer? What is quid pro quo? I have no idea. How many of you know what quid pro quo means? You know what that means? I don't know what happened that made that a number five search this year. I don't know, probably something to do with, I don't know, government or something. But what is camp fashion? What is Disney plus again? What is Bird Box about? 
What is a Mandalorian? How many of you watch Mandalorian already? Star Wars series? Yeah, yeah, that's good. And number 10, what is Brexit? I don't know why we care. That's over in Europe. What do we care about it? And then finally, the top 10 people searches. Number one, Antonio Brown. How many of you know who Antonio Brown is? You know, like, yeah, I don't know why America cared so much. And number two, Jesse Smollett. Number three, James Charles, Kevin Hart, R. Kelly, 21 Savage, Lori Laughlin. Remember that earlier in the year, and Jordan Woods. And finally, two sports figures, Bryce Harper and then Robert Kraft. Who knows who Robert Kraft is? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah. Owner, the Patriots who, uh, who are no longer in the playoffs, of which nobody but one guy in our sound room is sad about. That's, that, that, that's, that's it. That was a snapshot of 2019. Let me sum up 2019. We cared about movies, entertainment, phones, disasters, aliens, sports, celebrities, scandals, and a tiny bit of government. Donald Trump didn't even make the top 10. Had Donald Trump, because that's all I see on the news are people who hate Trump, right? That's the only thing. How did he not make the top 10? Is there a conspiracy not to put him in the top 10? I don't know how he didn't make the top 10. That's what we cared about was movies, entertainment, phones, disasters, aliens, sports, way too much about celebrities, scandals, a little bit of politics. That, ladies and gentlemen, was America in 2019. And what you don't find mentioned anywhere on that list is God. Like God didn't show up in Google at all. There's no curiosity about God. There's no passion about God. There's no excitement about God. I mean, as far as Google's concerned, uh, at least the top search is God wasn't in America in 2019 at all. But now, let me not just pick on Google and America. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about us for just a moment. How much of a role did God play in your life in 2019? So now, I don't want a verbal response. Let's go back and look. Let's look at your calendar and how much time you spent with God. Let's look at your checkbook and see how much uh, giving you did to God. Let's look at your energy, your resources, your time. Let's look at your text. Let's look at your searches. Let's look at your internet activity. How much would God be represented in your life in 2019? And so let me just get beyond 2019. How much is he going to be represented in 2020? Because let me tell you where we are. Let me tell you where we are. If you don't make change in your life now, do you know what 2021 is going to be like? 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and 2017. The only difference at the end of 2020 will be you're a page closer to the end of your story. And it came about just like it did in 2019. For some of you, 2019 was a good year and you'll be like, preacher, well, 2019 was a great year, but yet there has to be something that you want to do differently, even in a good year. And for some of you, 2019 was just a terrible year. You'd like to forget it, move forward. You couldn't make a good decision in 2019 to save your life. And now in 2020, you want to move forward. But how do we do that? How do we get where God wants us to be? Because that's really what we're talking about. How do we get where God wants us to be in 2020? Well, can I tell you this? You can't do the same thing you did in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and get a different result in 2020. No, if you want a different result in 2020, here's the deal. You're going to have to live differently. 
In Philippians chapter 3, Paul gave us the formula to live differently. If Paul was alive today, he could title these verses, How to Live Differently in 2020. So let's look at what he says. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? It's up on the screen. Philippians is a hard book to find. It's up on the screen and you can follow along up here on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. And these are fantastic verses. I, I'm really thinking about preaching these verses every first Sunday in January. Um, maybe a different sermon, maybe the same one. You wouldn't know the difference, right? Like you're not keeping up with it or anything, right? It's not like you're, you're going home tonight and saying, kids, remember that sermon? There's a test next week on the sermon, right? So, but such great verses for turning the page. Look at verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Thank you, you may be seated. Now Paul, in, in chapter three, has just recounted uh, in chapter three, he's recounting the lifestyle he used to live before Christ. And Paul has made this statement that everything in my life before Christ was worthless. Everything in my life before Christ had no value whatsoever. And Paul has said, even before verse 12, Paul has said that he's a consuming passion to know more about Jesus. And Paul has described Jesus this way. He didn't use these words. That's how I'm summing up that, that Christ is an eternal fountain of wisdom and relationship. Did you know that? That Christ is an eternal fountain of wisdom and relationship. Did you know that in this life or in the next life to come, you will never exhaust the riches of the relationship with Jesus Christ? Never. And so Paul said in, in the verses before verse 12, I just want to go deeper in, with him and knowing more and more and more. And then he does something great beginning in verse number 12. He lays out his strategy for knowing more and more and more about Jesus and for living differently in the year and days ahead. So how do you live differently in 2020? Paul gives us five things in these three verses. Here they are. Number one, this. Paul said, your mindset matters. Paul said in verse 12, not that I've already reached the goal or that I am already perfect. Now, Paul throughout these verses, just grab this, I'll say it often. Paul is using the imagery of an Olympic runner in the Olympic game. So we're running a race in the Olympics. That's the imagery he's using. And Paul is saying, hey, I have not already reached the goal. Now, what that means in the Greek is, Paul was saying, I've not already crossed the finish line. And he said, not, and not only that, I'm not already perfect. Now, we hear the word perfect in the English, and we think something without error. That's not the word perfect uh, Paul was using. The Greek word for perfect there means fully mature. As a matter of fact, they would say it about an adult man who had his life together that he was perfect. Teleos was the Greek, that he was perfect. He was mature as compared to an adult child. So Paul is saying this, I have not crossed the finish line. I'm not already uh, mature in my faith. And so here's what Paul was telling us in verse number 12 that he did not have a complacency mindset, that he wasn't satisfied 
that he had a mindset that he needed to keep growing in maturity, that he needed to keep rowing the boat, that he needed to keep walking with Jesus, that, listen, a lot of you are going to start off the new year and you're going to work on time management and you should, and you're going to go into the office tomorrow and you're going to have a to-do list of things of priority that you need to get done. You know what you're going to do? You're going to mark, when you do something, you're going to mark it off the list. And what Paul was saying was, I have Jesus Christ on my to-do list, but it's never going to get, he's never going to be marked off the list. He's not a, a project to be completed. He's a process to be excited about. Can I tell you that the mindset about the Christian life, that mindset about the Christian life will make all the difference in 2020, that when we get to the place where we are not satisfied, that we are not, we are not checking Jesus off a list, because here's what happens to too many Christians. We get saved, God with his mercy and his grace reaches down and saves us, and we say, woo, good for me, fire insurance, I'm done. And there's no deep abiding pursuit of Jesus. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because I've seen your Facebook. I, I've seen it. Like, I, I, it's there. You put it out there for everybody to see. Everybody knows it. You say, you're looking at my Facebook? Nah, I spend so little time on social media, so little time. But it's out there. It's, stop. You know why? Because you're revealing that you're, well, I'm going to live how I want to live because I checked Jesus off the list. Whew, took care of that. I get to go to eternity in heaven. Now I just do whatever I want to do, say whatever I want to say, act I want to act, leave all Christian morals, values, and attitudes behind. Do you know what that is? That's a complacency mindset. And can I tell you this? A complacency mindset will ruin your walk with God. The mindset of a Christian has to be a growth mindset. That good enough is not good enough because that's where we live in this culture. 90% of Christians live with a good enough or okay is okay attitude. And here's what I mean by that. That I come to church enough. I, 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 I follow God enough. I, I give enough. And we're trying to do the minimal allowable requirements to maintain our positive posture of Christianity. And that is a good enough mindset. That is a complacency mindset. That is an okay mindset. And that my friends will get you nowhere in life. It'll get you nowhere in your walk with God. Well, I'm saved. So I'll just be good enough to get by. I'm saved. Uh, okay is okay. I mean, I don't want to get all crazy about Jesus and people think I'm a fanatic. And Paul said the mindset matters, that you have to have a mindset, that Jesus is not getting checked off the list, that good enough is not good enough, that okay is not okay. It's not okay in the Christian life. It's not even okay in the real world. You're not okay if your doctor is looking at your surgery and going, ah, I, I got one of your kidneys. That's good enough, right? You're not okay with that. Especially if you're supposed to get a liver, you know, whatever. It's like, that's not okay. But yet we approach Christianity with that mindset. We approach, approach Christianity with good enough is good enough. That okay is okay. And Paul is saying, you want to live differently in 2020, get the right mindset. That is be passionate about Christ. Desire to grow in Jesus. Make it your priority. Confess complacency in your life. Repent. Listen to me. Repent over good enough Christianity. And let me ask you, where do you find yourself this first Sunday in January? Do you find yourself in the good enough category? or okay is okay category. And Paul said, repent of that or 2020 will be just like 2019 and good enough is not good enough. The mindset of the Christian is I want to know him more. 
He told us the mindset matters. Number two, he told us your motive matters. I'm just gonna hit this quickly and move on, but it's such a good point. He said in verse 12, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Now, the word, he, he repeats it in the Greek twice that, that you've been taken hold of. The word in the Greek, it literally has several meanings, but the most prominent meaning, which is used here, is that you see something in order to make it your own. You see something in order to make it your own. And I love that because here's what Paul said Jesus did for you. Did you know that you didn't accidentally stumble into being a Christian. Did you know that? You didn't just stumble into Christianity. You know what happened? God so orchestrated your life that he seized hold of your life with the gospel so that you were staring at Christ face to face with a decision to make. God grabbed hold of your life and he said, I'm not letting go until you become mine. Now, Paul said this, God, and Paul had that Damascus Road experience in the book of Acts where Paul said, God literally seized my life and he did it for you, ladies and gentlemen. He did it for me, but listen carefully. Paul said, since God seized me to make me his own, here's my motive. I want to grab hold of Christ and not let go until I know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said this, that I want my motive to be because Jesus loved me. I want to love my creator I want to love my commander. I want to love my savior the same way. And now listen to me. You aren't going to live differently in 2020 if your motive to live differently is to please your parents, to please your husband, to please your wife, to please your, your grandparents. If your motive is to be a good person, if your motive is to clean up your life, none of that's the proper motive to live passionately for Christ in 2020. What is the proper motive? Look, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ compels us, constrains us, since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all dead. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Paul said, it is the love of Christ that constrains me. You say, well, preacher, why in the world should I pursue Christ with all of my heart? Here's why. Jesus died on the cross for you. And here's what Paul said. That love that drove him to the cross for me and only me compels me to love him. Try my best to love him the same way he loved me. Your mindset matters. Your motive matters. Number three, let me show you the second thing he gave us in his strategy. Number three was remember to forget. Paul said in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold, but this one thing I do, here it is, forgetting what is behind. Again, he's using the imagery of a runner and he says, a runner running the race can't run the race looking behind them. For the Christian, we have to have a short memory. Do you know what holds most of us back is our inability to move on from our past? What do you mean? Well, you're still looking at what you didn't do in 2019, what you ha didn't accomplish in 2019, who hurt you in 2019, 2018, 2017, 1994. Who wounded you? Where you, you failed? Did you know the best ammunition to live the Christian life is a short memory to remember to forget because Paul said this, if you want to live differently in 2020, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to forget 
what is behind you. Why? Because if you're constantly remembering what happened in the past, you're never going to move forward. 55 people in the United States, or in the world maybe, have been diagnosed, in the U.S., have been diagnosed with something called highly superior autobiographical memory, H-S-A-M, 55 people. These people have a super duper memory where they spend an excessive amount of time thinking about their past and specific events in their past. For example, I want to read some of this to you because it's mind blowing. By the way, these people don't remember names and faces any better than you do, but here's what they do. Alexander Wolf, who's one of the 55, said on NPR, she remembers every detail of a mundane activity like driving to Target for groceries, which occurred more than 10 years ago. She remembers what she wore and what she ate every day, get this, for the past decade. She remembers if the fan in the bedroom was running on any given date. So if you said, hey, was the fan in your bedroom running on June 3rd, 2012? She can tell you if the fan was on or not. So some people, when they first started studying these 55 people, they thought, what a great advantage, but they all have described it as a curse. One interviewee said this, that he remembers all the wrongs done against him and all the wrongs he has ever committed. Malay's woman said she remembers the wrongs people have done to her and those memories haunt her and harass her. Jill Price who was the first person ever diagnosed with HSAM, said this, and I quote, whenever I see a date flash on the television or anywhere else for that matter, I automatically go back to that day and remember where I was, what I was doing, what day it fell on, and on and on and on and on and on. And here's what she said. It is nonstop, uncontrollable, and totally exhausting. Nonstop, uncontrollable, and totally exhausting. Can I tell you that that's why many a Christian, you are where you are in the Christian life. Because your memory is nonstop, uncontrollable, and totally exhausting. That's why you can't live differently. Why? If you're going to live differently in 2020, you have got to remember to forget. That means all of those wrongs against you. You need to say, well, preacher, no, they haven't apologized to me. I get it. Listen, they may die or you may die and you may never get an apology. But the only life you're hurting is yourself. The mistakes you've made in the past, you say, well, mine were bad mistakes. All of our mistakes are bad mistakes. You wouldn't call it a mistake if it wasn't a bad mistake. You say, but it was such a bad decision. I know, I know. All those failures, all those hurts. Can I say this? All the successes. Sometimes we're trying to live off past success. I'm a, you know, I do coaching with churches all around the nation. And man, I can't tell you how many times I, you'll run into a church and like, preacher, we remember when things were going good here in 1962. Man, it was just awesome here. And they're stuck in 1962, and they always, always want to say stuff like this. If we could just go back and do things the way we did them in 1962, and I'm always like, that is awesome. As long as you and your home go back and do your home the way it was done in 1962. What do you mean? I mean, no microwave, no air conditioning, no refrigerator, get an ice box, get milk delivered at your door, don't go to Walmart, don't go to Publix. 
Well, nobody wants to do that. I know, you know why? We just need to forget sometimes what used to be, how bad it was, how good it was. And Paul said, remember to forget those things. And some of you are here today and you're still haunted by your past. 2020 won't be different if you don't remember to forget. Number four, and I'm almost finished. Paul said, number four, my strategy for living differently is focus on the future. He said in verse 13, and forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You know why we can't focus on the past? Because we can't change the past. We cannot rewrite one word of our past story. And as much as you wish you could take back that decision, hey, let's do a survey. How many of you have a decision last year you wish you could take back? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Right? Let me see this. How many of you have a you said something to somebody last year, you wish you could take it back. Let me see your hand. Can be honest? We have failures, we have habits. We, we wish we could take those back, but here's, here's what we can do. I can't go back and rewrite one page of my past story. So Paul said, since you can't go back and write, rewrite one page of your past story, do this, focus on the future. And here's what he said, reaching forward to what is ahead. It's the picture of the runner who is, it's the exact word used of a runner who is straining at the finish line, trying to go forward just a little bit more. It is the man who's going all out to the finish. Paul said that in the Christian life, we must, in the Christian life, we must forget every past achievement and failure and focus on what lies ahead. You know, live differently in 2020, then focus on the future. Harvard psychologist Daniel Gilbert, he wrote a book called Stumbling Upon Happiness. And he, he starts the book off with, in the first few pages with this sentence. And he said, every psychologist ought to be able to finish this sentence. Now, I understand he's not, this is not a Christian statement. Human is, humans are not animals. I get that. But just hang with me for a second. He said, every psychologist, every person ought to be able to finish this sentence. The human is the only animal that. So... Daniel Gilbert said, finish that sentence. And here's how he finishes the sentence in his book, uh, A Stumbling on Happiness. He said, the human is the only animal that thinks about the future. Every animal on the planet operates by instinct with no thought of the future. And here's what he said about humans. We're the only thing on the planet with the capability of focusing on the future. And he says, the average human spends 12% of their day thinking about the future, only 12%. Now, why is that? Because we're so focused on our past, we don't take time to even live in the present or even focus on the future. You say, well, preacher, what does focusing on the future look like? It means this, what daily disciplines are you gonna put in your life so that you can instill into your life in the future so that you can walk closer to the Lord? I don't just lament that yesterday I didn't walk close to God. I look to the future and say, what kind of disciplines can I put in my life so that I can walk close to the Lord? What kind of disciplines do I put in my life so that I can have a better marriage? What kind of disciplines do I put in my life so I can be a better parent? I can be a better teenager. I can be a better Christian. I can be a better person. That is a future looking forecast. Not, I, I blew yesterday. I get it. And I've gotten forgiveness for yesterday. But what am I going to do going forward about me blowing it yesterday? Looking in the future, focus on the future means that I realize, hey, do you get this? I realize 
One day I'm going to stand before God in judgment. The Bible says this, Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Do you know what that means? The Bible's very clear that you're going to stand, I'm going to stand before God one day. Let me scare you to death. Even as a Christian, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day, and here's what I'm going to be judged for. Everything I did and every word I said. Does that scare you? It should. Everything I did and every word I said. And here's what Paul would say. If you want to make 2020 differently than 2019 and the years before that, you have to live differently. And you're going to have to focus on the future and understand this, that one of these days you are going to stand before an almighty God. And I'm going to keep that at the forefront of my mind. And I'm going to lay up disciplines and habits so I can ensure my future looks better and brighter than my past. Number five, I'm finished. Paul said, my strategy for living differently is in verse 14. And that is I'm going to pursue the prize. So we talk about goals and we talk about resolutions for 2020. This is resolution language Paul is using. This is goal setting language. He said, I pursue as my goal, the prize promise by God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. I pursue as the goal, uh, pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God. Here's your 2020 resolution, pursue the prize. Again, the word goal and prize there is the imagery used in the Olympic games and pursue as your goal, Christ Jesus. And here's what Paul is saying that your all out pursuit in 2020 ought to be, your all out goal in 2020 ought to be this, your pursuit in 2020 ought to be Jesus. That's it. Any other goal is going to leave you wanting. Any other goal is going to leave you empty. Any other goal is going to be like Groundhog Day where you just make the same mistakes over and over again. Any other goal is going to lead to a bad decision. Any other goal is going to leave you lacking on Judgment Day. Any other goal is going to be the wrong goal. Pursue the prize of knowing Jesus. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. Many of you have heard of this in his best-selling book, Into Thin Air. John Craker tells the story of the ill-fated expedition to the summit of Mount Everest in 1996. There, there were multiple people, multiple people that died on that expedition in 1996. And one was this lady. This is a picture of her on the climb. And I, she's Japanese. I won't get her name right. It's Yasuko Namba. She's a 46-year-old FedEx employee. And here's the thing about her. She had already climbed to the seven highest mountains in the world. The only one she liked was Mount Everest and she was really excited about Mount Everest. So she went with that 1996 expedition to get to the top of Mount Everest and she told everybody that that was her goal, that that was her prize. That when she got to the top of Mount Everest, she had made it. And John said in his book that she, she, uh, she so pursued that goal that she would jostle and push people out of the way so she could get to the front of the line. And she was expending energy she did not need to expend, but she made it. And the last day of the expedition, she made it to the peak, the top, top, the highest point of Mount Everest, she made it. But then a blizzard set in and the problem was she had expended all of her energy to get to the top, which you're taught not to do. She had expended all of her energy to get to the top that when the blizzard set in, she didn't have the strength 
to get back down. And so they tried to set up camp and it was just a disaster and multiple people died, including her. And John said this in his book. He said, what experienced mountain climbers know is that the goal of Mount Everest is never to get to the top. If your goal is to get to the top, you'll make bad decisions, you'll exhaust yourself, and you'll die. Did you know there are over 250 bodies frozen and entombed on Mount Everest today that, aren't, that can't be brought down? Some frozen in pristine condition, though they died decades and decades ago. And he said, if your goal is to get to the top of the mountain, you have the wrong goal. He said, the goal of an experienced climber who does Mount Everest their goal is never to get to the top of the mountain. Their goal is to get back down to the bottom of the mountain. He said, if your goal is to get to the top, you'll, you'll do it all the wrong way. You'll expend all the wrong energy and you'll find yourself in a bad situation having reached your goal, but giving your life for it. He said, no, the goal of a good mountain climber, Mount Everest, the correct goal is to get to the top and get to the bottom. Paul could have told that story because Paul said, I have one goal, it's Jesus. And can I tell you this this morning? If your goal is not Jesus, you're pursuing the wrong goal. If your goal is a person, you have the wrong goal. If your goal is possessions, you have the wrong goal. If your goal is power, you have the wrong goal. If your goal is popularity, you have the wrong goal. And let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna get to the top of that mountain and you're still not gonna be any more satisfied than you were before you got it. You know why? You had the wrong goal. The right goal is Jesus. So would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, let, let's just listen and let's talk for a moment. Nobody's looking around us, having a quiet moment. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior. Listen, you, you came to church this first Sunday in January and you're trying to turn over a new leaf or do better. Can I tell you that's all backwards? You, you don't get better to get saved. You get saved in order to get better. You don't get better to know God. You know God in order to get better. And so today, here's the big news. Today's not the day just to um, uh, try to make your life better. Today's the day to find Christ. And our pastors are down here at the front. They'd love to pray with you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you when Josh sings in just a moment to slip out from where you are, walk down this aisle, take one of these men by the hand and say, I I'd like to become a Christian today. And they'll walk you through that, answer any questions you have. Maybe you want to join our church. Maybe you want to move your membership here. Maybe you need to be baptized. Come tell one of our pastors here and they'll, they'll walk you through that process of doing that. Don't just come kneel. If you want to be saved, join or be baptized, just come tell one of our pastors up front that they'll walk you through the process. But our heads are bowed, whether you're at Rossville or Rock Spring, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you'd be honest before God? I, I, don't, I, I can't see your hand, I got light shining in my eyes. How many would be honest before God and just say this, I'm gonna live differently in 2020 than I did in 2019. Would you raise your hand, just hold it up. I wanna be different. I wanna be closer, I wanna be different. I wanna pursue Christ, thank you and put them down. Man, among those hands were so many people that the, the attitude has been good enough is good enough. And look, this morning, you need to come and say, Lord, I want the right mindset. I want the right motive because I love you 
because you love me. Some of you here are so dwelling on past hurts and past mistakes, you cannot move forward. And there's some of you this morning, you need to flood this altar and say to God, God, help me forget how I've been wronged, how I've been hurt, the mistakes I've made, my checkered past. Lord, help me lay that down. And Lord, help me focus on the future. Lord, help me. Help me instill into my life the disciplines the processes I need to grow in Christ going forward. Let me forget, let me to focus, let me pursue Jesus and let my 2020 goal be Jesus, all of Jesus. That's you this morning. So I'm gonna ask you to start 2020 off in the altar in a serious moment, doing business with God and live differently. 2020. Father, draw us with your spirit. You've spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.